0: how are you avoiding your gifts your creativity you have a work you are put on this planet to do and when you avoid your work you become a liar to yourself what does it mean to love and work well and how do i pursue what truly matters working at the intersection of business and psychology i help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities inspire change lead with courage And live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I've been avoiding my work. Can you relate? I mean, I haven't been avoiding work. I've been working hard. I mean, I've been avoiding my work, my creative work the work that lights me up, that energizes me, the work that I dream about. Do you have work like that? Ooh, I'm talking about creative work. And today I want to talk about why you must make time and space for creative work or it will destroy your soul. Okay, now maybe that's a little dramatic. Yes, but I'm also dead serious about it. Because here's the thing, folks, you were put on the planet to be creative. It's why you are here. It's why each of us are here. And yet, if you're not careful, fear will crush the light out of your creativity. Fear will tell you that you have nothing to offer, nothing worth sharing. You cannot pay it any heed. You cannot listen. How do I know this? How do I know this? Because I have been avoiding my own work. I know this is true, because I know that fear has been getting the best of me. And so I come to you (laughs) as one who knows that you've got to make time for creativity. And I I come to you in the trenches um, because I I know that fear, fear can be a worthy opponent. And it can, it can tell us that we don't have anything of worth to offer and it will make a liar out of us and it's just dead wrong. So Brene Brown taught, as long as we're creating, we're creating meaning creativity really takes us to purpose and of course that's what we're interested in and each week right with the podcast I'm interested in helping you pursue what matters I'm I'm interested in helping you lead with confidence I try to do that in one of three ways Um, leading with purpose right which is to help you lead with clarity Leading with curiosity, which is to help you develop self-awareness, and leading a community. And today, in particular, I really want to help you not only lead with clarity to understand purpose And to understand the role that creativity has in helping you connect to your unique purpose, but also to lead with curiosity. Because this is the thing about creativity. It is all about curiosity. We have to learn to quiet ourselves. We have to learn to quiet the critic. And if you're like me, you've got a pretty strong critic in your head. Um, I hate that I have a strong critic in my head, but I do. And... Creativity requires us to quiet the critic. So, again, from Brene Brown unused creativity is not benign. It lives within us until it's expressed, neglected to death, or suffocated by resentment and fear. And one more quote from her. The only unique contribution that we will ever make in this world will be born of our creativity. Whew, those are powerful words. And so I hope that, you know, when you when you heard this podcast, are you making time for creativity? That you didn't dismiss it, that you didn't think, oh, okay, well, you know, like, I don't, I don't draw or I, I'm not an artist. And so this podcast isn't for me. Creativity takes so many different forms. And that the idea that we as humans are creative beings, we are meant to create. And it's it's part of how we fulfill our purpose in this world. And that if we're not intentional about it, right? Right it's gonna be hard for us to fulfill our purpose in life. And so I hope you will take this seriously. I hope you will pay attention. And so let's start by talking about what gets in the way of creativity and what gets in the way of doing creative work, right? Whether that is as part of your work, part of your day job, or whether that is, you know, whether that's part of a hobby or in your downtime. So, in a word, it is fear. Um, Fear gets in the way. So, Stephen Pressfield, who has taught us so much about creativity and what gets in the way of it, has taught us this. He said, Don't prepare. Begin. Our enemy is not lack of preparation. The enemy is resistance. Our chattering brain produces excuses. Start before you are ready. And so, this is what he says about fear. And I absolutely love this perspective. He says, Are you paralyzed with fear? That's a good sign. Fear is good. Like self doubt, fear is an indicator. Fear tells us what we have to do. Remember one rule of thumb. The more scared we are of a work or calling, the more sure we can be that we have to do it. And have you had that experience in your life where, you know, the thought of doing something, first of all, got you so excited. And then you got the pit in your stomach of, oh my goodness, there's no way I can do this. I'm scared to death. And, recognizing that that pit in your stomach, that fear helped you to know how much you cared about the endeavor, helped you to know how important it was to you. And so fear can be a very good sign because it can help us to know how strongly we care about something, how invested we are in it. And so fear isn't necessarily something that tells us we need to run the other way, but it can, it can help us to understand, wow, this really matters to me. Um, and another quote from Stephen Pressfield, which I really love this perspective as well. So Stephen Pressfield talks about the difference between the amateur and the professional. The amateur believes he must first overcome his fear, then he can do his work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. He knows there is no such thing as a fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. And so I love this perspective as well because with it, Pressfield teaches us that fear doesn't need to be a barrier to doing our work. Fear doesn't need to be a barrier to doing courageous things in our lives. And of course, this takes us back to the research of Brene Brown with her Dare to Lead research, that the most courageous leaders are often afraid and brave at the exact same time. And so we don't need to first banish our fear in order to create, in order to live the life that we want to live. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We take steps forward despite our fear. So let's get a little more specific, though, about fear, right? So what gets in the way of doing creative work? Well, in a word, fear. But let's break that down a little bit more. So, of course, we have fear of critics, and that's a big one for many of us. So, of course, Brene Brown talks a lot about fear of critics, and she talks about um, the cheap seats. What will other people think and how many of us have been stopped by wondering what other people will think? How many of us have lived our lives wondering what will other people think? Oh, it's like such a hard way to live your life. So this is what she said. A lot of cheap seats in the arena are filled with people who never venture onto the floor. They just hurl mean-spirited criticisms and put downs from a safe distance. The problem is when we stop caring what people think and stop feeling hurt by cruelty, we lose our ability to connect. But when we're defined by what people think, we lose the courage to be vulnerable. Therefore, we need to be selective about the feedback we let into our lives. For me, this is according to Brown, if you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. So I love this perspective from Brown that it's not that we don't care what others think because, I mean, of course we do, but we need to learn to be selective about who we receive feedback from because not all feedback is created equal, right? And so... If there, there are plenty of, there are plenty of critics out there who haven't done the work, who haven't put in the time, that they're sitting in the cheap seats. and they have not earned the right to give you feedback. And so you should not spend time or energy listening to them. But there are individuals, and Seth Godin calls these individuals the generous critics, who have good intention for you, who have put in the time, who are doing what you're doing, doing things that are similar to what you're doing, who have good intention for you, who want to encourage you, who have good feedback that you need to let in. And you should let in this feedback. So now let's talk about another kind of fear. So the fear of disappointing others. So this can be a big one, especially for women. We do not want to disappoint others. We don't want to let others down. So, you know, often saying yes to something you want means saying no to something others want for you. And that is just reality because you can't please everyone. Doing something that is good for you or growth promoting for you may not be what someone else wants. And this reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Jeff Walker, which is every yes must be defended by a thousand no's. <laughs> and the reality is you cannot do it all. I know for me personally, this is one of my biggest challenges. I want to say yes to everything. And I one of my mistaken beliefs is to think I can do it. Um, And it's not coming from a place of arrogance. It's coming from a place of I just don't want to disappoint others. Um, But I know realistically that I can't do it all, but I don't want to let anyone down. And so the net result is that I overcommit. I say yes, when I should be saying no. And of course. Obviously, it is a fool's errand, Um, but because there are times when I can't tolerate disappointing others, my creative endeavors are always, always what get let down. So I don't make time for what is important to me. And the result is that I end up feeling frustrated, resentful, and angry. But here is the thing I've done it to myself. No one else did it to me. <laughs> I'm the one that overcommitted. I'm the one that said yes when I should have said no. I'm the one that couldn't tolerate the distress of disappointing someone. And so instead of saying no, I said yes, and as a result, ended up saying no. To my own creative endeavors. And at the end of the day, then, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying no to, to my own sense of purpose and my own sense of meaning. And that one really hurts. That one's not good. And so are there ways that you might be doing that in your own life where we where we say yes, but we should be saying no because of this fear of disappointing others. And especially for women, this one happens a lot, but it can happen for anyone who has a fear of disappointing others or who has an unrealistic expectation about what they should be able to do, right? That's a big one. So then let's talk about another fear and that is the fear of failure. And, you know, this is a big one, especially when it comes to creative endeavors, because by their nature, they are uncertain, right? Like there's just like, there's no formula for success when it comes to creative endeavors. Think about art. Think about writing. Think about entrepreneurship. There is no perfect formula that says if i do this and i do this and i do this then i will be guaranteed success that is just not the way it works and in fact when we think about creative endeavors failure is likely even expected <laughs> and so you've got to be able to tolerate you've got to be able to tolerate failure you've got to be able to tolerate distress you've got to be able to tolerate uncertainty You have to, you just have to. And I remember having a conversation with a good friend not too long ago. And I was talking about this endeavor that I was um, working on. It was a creative endeavor. And I said, never in my life have I been in a situation where you know i could put in all of this time and effort and energy and like i've worked my butt off i've worked so hard on this and i have absolutely no clue if it will be successful it could it could be a raging success or it could be an utter failure and i said you know i have worked just as hard if not harder on this than I have on, um, other endeavors in my life. But with those endeavors, like I, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And if I did those things, I knew I would be successful. Right. If I think about education, if I think about certain jobs, like there was absolutely no question. There was certainty. There was a process and, you know i was just i was expressing this vulnerability and this uncertainty and as i thought about that i you know what i realized is that it was because this was such a creative endeavor and the nature of creativity is that it is uncertain there are no guarantees and you know the the critic right or the the fixed mindset or the scarcity mindset could see this situation as, oh, you've messed up, you're a failure, you don't know what you're doing, you know, because if you would have been smarter, or you would have been this, or you would have been that, then you could have guaranteed success. But to be able to, to see that no, this is what created creativity looks like when you're engaged in creativity, there are no guarantees. And to be able to understand that and see that it is the nature of the game and that that is, that, that is that's the nature of the game, it's the nature of the beast, That's how it, that's how it is and that it's not an indictment on you and that there are things that you can do to increase your odds of success But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, creativity requires a a tolerance of uncertainty. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes around this comes from Eckhart Tolle, who is, you know, such a gift to us. He says, when you become comfortable with uncertainty, infinite possibilities open up in your life. Infinite possibilities open up in your life because you recognize that it's about the process. It is not about the outcome. And you have to disentangle yourself from the outcome. Um, and that can be a hard, bitter pill to swallow for many of us who have been trained to focus on outcome, to focus on grades, to focus on perfection. Um, but it's a gift, it's a real gift. Okay, so we've talked about the fears, right? We've talked about fear of critics. We've talked about fear of disappointing others. We've talked about fear of failure. So things that get in the way of our creative work. Now let's talk about excuses, which is just a nice veneer over fear. So let's be honest about that. But we get so darn sophisticated with our excuses. So let's just just state that for the record. And of course, I have another great quote from Stephen Pressfield on this one. Now, his book um, that many of these quotes come from is The War of Art. And if you want a kick in the butt (laughs) around creative work, you got to read that book because it is amazing. It's a book that I try to read about twice a year because I just feel like I need it for some mental floss. It just kind of keeps me um, in a good headspace when it comes to creative work. So this is what he said about excuses. Our enemy is not lack of preparation. It's not the difficulty of the project or the state of the marketplace or the emptiness of our bank account. The enemy is our chattering brain, which if we give it so much as a nanosecond will start producing excuses, alibis, transparent self-justifications, and a million reasons why we can't, shouldn't, won't do what we know we need to do. I absolutely love that message. And this is what I mean when I say, when... We become a liar to ourselves when we feel compelled to do creative work, whether it is to write, whether it is to sing, whether it is to make music, whether it is to serve in any capacity. When we start making excuses, when we start avoiding that work, we become a liar to ourselves. We snuff out that light within us that quiet that quiet little voice that small little light that is urging us on right but it's gonna do it quietly it's gonna be in nudges right and that's what Brene Brown talks about when she says that um That unused creativity isn't benign. It lives within us until it's expressed, neglected to death or suffocated by resentment and fear. But creativity, right? It will, it nudges at us. It is. It's a. It's a small little voice. It's a small little light, and it requires us to listen. It requires us to be curious, to pay attention, to quiet ourselves, and act on what we hear, what we feel, um, what we notice within us. And we become a liar to ourselves when we start making excuses and when we avoid what we understand and what we notice within ourselves. And so some of our favorite excuses, I'm too busy. And what I would say to this, and believe me, I will be the first to say, I have used that excuse. I've probably used that excuse this week. Um, And I will be the first one to also say, it's just BS. Because here's the thing, you're too busy and so is everyone else right? You have as many hours in the day as everyone else. And so if you really feel that you are too busy, here's the one way to get right to the heart of that. Keep a log of how many, um, uh, oh, sorry, keep a log of how you spend every minute of every day for a week. And this will help you get very honest about how you spend your time And I'll just tell you right now, you will not like it. Um, It will be a wake-up call because if you're honest with yourself, you probably won't even do this assignment um, because it will be too painful because most of us waste a lot of time, whether it is um, Netflix, whether it's a scroll hole on the phone. Um, And even if it's not those things, Right? Maybe you're living your life out of your inbox. Um, maybe you're just very inefficient with your time. Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe you need to set better boundaries at work. And the point is this, you have time for one hour or even 30 minutes to engage in some creative act so it will require you to make choices it may require you to make difficult choices some of those choices may not be difficult at all once you actually you know square your shoulders and actually make them but stop with the excuses already it is a gift to yourself to stop with the excuses already and i think we have such a powerful example with winston churchill So, you know, I think we would all agree that during World War II, when he was prime minister of Great Britain, um, he was a pretty busy guy, um, very, very busy. And yet he found a way to paint throughout his time as prime minister. And, you know, I would say if he had time for creativity while fighting Hitler, you could probably find some time for some creativity in your life. And so um he actually um had some of his painting um he published and he had a small book painting as um a pastime so he wrote painting came to my rescue in a most trying time and so for him painting really was um was um a, a rescue for him and something that helped him to cope with such difficulty and it helped him it gave him respite from everything that he was um, dealing with So the hobby became, for the great British statesman, a source of delight and a respite from the stress of his career. He would eventually create over 550 paintings, crediting the practice with helping him to hone his visual acuity, powers of observation, and memory. The pastime would flourish and perhaps even aid him as he furthered his his career as a world-renowned writer, orator, and political Leader, So his approach was very simple. Go outside and paint what you see. So that's what his, um, that's what his great grandson said. He did it for fun. He didn't take his paintings very seriously. So for him, he, it was something that was relaxing, but it's something that was, um, very healing for him and something that really helped him in every area of his life and so such a powerful um example there and you know my um my thing is especially when I say like I don't have time I'm like okay if Churchill have time to paint I have time to write because that's one of that's one of the things that um, I need to make more time for in my life is writing consistently. I love to write, um, but I don't always make time for it. So let's look at some of the other excuses. So the one we just talked about, of course, is I'm too busy. Another one, others need me too much. So of course, this is another version of I can't disappoint others. And um, one of the things that Um, we learn from Seth Godin. So Seth Godin has a new book out. Oh my goodness. It's so great. It just came out. I think it just came out in the past um, month or two. I'm just finishing it. It's so good. It's called The Practice Shipping Creative Work. Um, He said, this is how you know if it's an excuse or a roadblock. He said, if others find a way around your excuse, then it's an excuse not a roadblock. (laughs) So if it's a genuine roadblock, it means other people have not found a way to get around this issue either. Um, But if what you're saying is like, I can't find a way around this issue, but there are other people in life who have found a way to do what you want to do And, you know, your excuse is not stopping them, then, um, you know, it's an excuse. So I think that's actually a really, really good point. Um, And so, right, like other people are finding a way to do creative work. And so if they can do it, you probably can too. And sometimes maybe you just aren't giving yourself enough credit. You're not prioritizing things. You're not saying no instead of yes. Um, And so, you know, it's acknowledging that you might have to make some difficult choices, but you can do that as an adult, you can totally do that. And so again, from Seth Godin, he said, it's hard to get blocked when you are moving, even if you're not moving in the direction you had in mind that morning. And the point from Godin in this book is getting into habits and taking action, taking action, taking action, taking action. And I just love that. And as a psychologist, certainly in the work I do as a leadership coach and as a psychologist, I'm always talking about taking action um, because certainly, especially when it comes to um, psychology and therapy it's so easy for people to sit around in therapy and talk about what they need to do but to actually not take action and you know people can spend years doing that in therapy and it, and the therapy is of very limited effectiveness we have got to take action um, if you're moving if you're doing something if you're taking action you will start to make progress Um, and then another excuse that often shows up. So we've already talked about, I'm too busy. We've also talked about others need me too much, which is a version of, I can't disappoint others is, and this is a big one. I'm not talented enough. Um, so I don't, I don't have the talent needed. And so what I would say to this is, so what, who cares (laughs) if you want to create then create. Um, You know, you don't have to be the best at it. And I think this is where perfectionism and a too big of a focus on the outcome can just undermine your efforts. If you want to create, then create. You've got to let go of a focus on outcome. So here is the other thing. Talent is overrated. When it comes to creative acts, if it makes you happy, do it. So Notice I'm talking about creative acts. If it makes you happy, do it. Um, we, skill is prioritized over talent every day of the week. And so don't worry so much about talent. Let's work on cultivating skills. And so this is where we come back to Seth Godin's focus on practice and the process. Like what is your practice? What is your daily consistent practice? Because if you're engaged in a daily consistent practice, you will develop the skills over time. And then you really don't need to worry so much about talent. And that is a really important principle for um, creative work. Okay, so as humans, we are creative beings. So let's talk about some solutions. Let's talk about how we can really make time for creativity. So as humans, we are creative beings. It is how we are made and how you engage your creativity, however, is very personal. And so I would encourage you to um, take some time and identify how you engage your creativity or how you would like to. And so right, like maybe that's through your work, maybe that is through um, hobbies, maybe that is through leisure activities. So just take some time and identify how you engage creatively creatively, um, or how you would like to. So maybe it's interior design, maybe it's writing, maybe it's reloading. So my husband loves reloading and that for him is a creative activity. Now, it requires a lot of precision, right? But that is also something that allows him to be creative. And it is an expression for him of something that he really enjoys. So there's also coloring, graphic design, art, decorating, crafting, content creation, right? That's something I really, really enjoy. Like, I I mean, I like a PowerPoint um, presentation. I like creating PowerPoint Um, presentations I think it's kind of fun and like how can you make those engaging so people aren't you know falling asleep I think like that's a challenge and I think that's pretty cool Um, drawing homemaking skills playing musical instruments singing baking writing music cooking problem solving all types of problem solving right that is a creative endeavor and so with this solution I really want you to think out side of the box it's not just you know art or drawing right so um, we engage creatively in so many areas in our life and so i want you to think about how you engage creatively or how you would like to and then um The next thing is to recognize that there are so many ways to engage creatively each day, some at work, at home, through hobbies. And so just identify one area of creativity where you would like to be more intentional. So we want you to be intentional because when it comes to intentionality, consistency really matters. So I want to encourage you to develop a consistent practice in just this one Area. So, what are you willing to do consistently in this one area to strengthen this particular area of creativity? So, for example, I will write for at least 30 to 60 minutes five times a week for the next 45 days to establish a consistent practice of writing. So, that would be an example of um, an intentional consistent practice in one area and that you hold yourself accountable to that Um, so maybe it's with art like you're gonna do some drawing three to four times a week and the, the key with creative work is consistency so you don't You know, the thing about creativity, one of the biggest mistakes is people think that they need to wait until creativity strikes them or the muse um, um, lands on them. And that is actually a big falsehood. And so consistency is actually... Um, the principle that we want to operate under. And so if you would like to cultivate more creativity, you need to develop a consistent practice. You need to be intentional about it. And so then the next question is, what is your intention? So what does your creativity serve? So is it just for you? Or is it for others? So, you know, either is okay, but let's be clear about your intention. So maybe you paint and that's just for you. And that is great. Like there is nothing wrong with that. Um, But maybe you say you paint just for you, but secretly you want to paint for others, but your fear keeps you playing small. Either way, you need to be honest with yourself. Okay, so that's where I just want you to be clear about your intention. Um, There are some acts of creativity that may just be for you. And again, like that's that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But do you have a creative act that is in service to others that that is right? Like you actually do want that to be um for someone else or in service to one another. Again, there's not a right or a wrong, but let's be clear about your intention. And then, of course, you need to be honest with yourself. You've got to stop lying to yourself and you've got to banish excuses. So, yes, you're busy, but so is everyone else. So you need to stop accepting your excuses. So consider yourself a junior high teacher and you're going to stop accepting excuses. So you must be smarter than your excuses. Um, And so here is the thing. When you get tired of hearing your own excuses, you will begin changing your behavior I promise you that so this is where there is real power in self-awareness and self-reflection via journaling because it can be a game changer so one of the things that I've noticed for myself is so first of all I journal just about every single day and when I write I write and journal right so same thing journal um, for self-awareness and self-reflection and one of the things that I start to notice is I start to notice my patterns right I start to notice my patterns more clearly and over time I start to get tired of my excuses <laughs> I'm like oh boy I've heard that one before that one's getting old I'm getting tired of that excuse I'm not buying that excuse anymore and over time you will become smarter than your excuses and though you may still be afraid of failing you will be tired of of being stuck in inaction, and that will move you off of go. That will help to propel action. And so you wanna be honest with yourself and you wanna start spotting your patterns and really um, move yourself to action. And then we also want you to know your tells or your red flags. So of course, if you've ever watched the World Series of Poker, which, you know, the boys in my home tend to like that, um, you know why the players are trying to disguise themselves by wearing hats and sunglasses. Of course, they are trying to cover their tells because, of course, the other players are looking for clues about whether the players are holding good or bad hands. So each of us have tells that reveal our inner states and just like poker players, you need to know your tells so that you can call yourself out. So your tells or your red flags are those behaviors that signal you are living in fear, anxiety, or stress. So these are behaviors that move you out of your values and into excuses, defensiveness, and avoidance. So whenever your tells are on the scene, watch out. Um, Because what happens is they move you into a scarcity mindset. And the first thing to fly out the window is creativity. Because creativity operates on an abundance mindset, right? So an abundance mindset is this belief that there is enough, there's enough time, there's enough creativity, there's enough energy. And so whenever you're operating out of fear, anxiety, or stress, your creativity is gonna fly out the window. And of course, that's the last thing we want. Okay, and then of course we need to schedule creative time right i mean you've just got to schedule time and that might sound weird right like oh no like i need to be creative when i feel creative no you need to be consistent you just need to schedule time and so um consistency is the principle that we're operating here so bill gates um he is known for his think week so every year he schedules a week away where he goes A way to think. And he reads up on, you know, all of these readings and he really thinks deeply about a lot of things, and he credits these weeks to really helping him to stay sharp. Um, one of the things that I have begun doing is taking a few days away at the beginning of every year to help me to do some planning for my upcoming year. And it really is so helpful for me. It really, like, I just consider it a really big gift, not only to myself, but also to my business, because I typically don't have that kind of um, time in my daily life to actually you know, set the time aside to think about my organization um, at a high level. And so it's really very helpful and it is creative time and it, it allows me to have some um, really important perspective. And you also want to have time away from being plugged in. So even on a daily basis, having some rules for yourself about your phone and email and how you do your work. So batching your work, making sure that your notifications are turned off and not being a slave to your email and to your notifications and to Slack and all of those um, tools that if we're not careful, um, really become weapons that, um, distract us and keep us away from our most important work. And of course I have a podcast on deep work, um, and you know, how you can really do your best work. So, um, Make sure that you're not being um, run by these tools. And, you know, kind of the principle here is learning to be your own good enough parent and putting in some guardrails and some boundaries and some limits to really help you to have the time you need to do your best work. Um, do your creative work first. So when do you do your best work? And do it then. So I do my best focused deep work in the morning. And so that's when I that's when I do that work. And do you have control over your schedule so you can do that? Um, email should never get your best energy. It just never should. You, you should set some limits around that. Um, and then You know, we want to cultivate boredom and unplug time. And so make sure you have downtime at home, both for yourself and for those you love. Make sure that there's plenty of time when you and family members are unplugged from screens. And this is something that our home, we impose unplugged time. Um, We impose... um, quiet time. And our kids, our youngest kids are teenagers. And when they were young, we had quiet time, but we still have quiet time. And, you know, they still complain about it, but um, they know that it happens. And it's, you know, I think it's really important. It's, It's for their well-being. So JK Rowling, I don't know if you know this, but when she, so she started writing, um, Harry Potter when she was on a delayed train. So the train was delayed like two or three hours. And so she was just kind of sitting there bored. And that's when she began writing, um, Harry Potter. And, um, aren't we glad that that train was delayed? So are you ever bored? Um, when we have phones and we're constantly plugged in, it's rare that we're ever bored but i really hope that you're bored i hope that you're not always plugged in because boredom is right boredom is a launch pad for creativity on the other side of boredom is actually creativity i regularly make sure my kids are bored so what that has looked like recently in recent weeks for one of my kiddos has been um, some art um Legos and a budding coin collection. Right? So um it started out looking for some money <laughs> um but turned into a coin collection. Um And then for another child that looked like um, playing the piano and writing music, and she is currently working on um, a song, and I hope she shares it with us. She tends to kind of hide her music from us a little bit, but um, she's working on um, writing some music currently. And so remember... On the other side of boredom is creativity. And so make sure you have some white space, um, shower ideas. So I have a reputation for coming up with all sorts of ideas in the shower and it is not uncommon for me at all to hop out of the shower and to very quickly record a voice memo directly out of the shower. So my team members tease me about this all the time because I will send them voice memos and they can hear the shower dripping water in the background. Um, But I've got to get those ideas recorded as soon as I hop out of the shower. Um, But what I know is it's one of the times the ideas can percolate for me because it's some white space. It's some time where I'm not plugged in. And another time is walks with my pup when I'm out in the neighborhood watching the light play on the mountains and I have ideas come to me. And these are creative moments when you need to allow space and time for creativity when you're not constantly plugged in. And of course, there's lots of research on the value of walking for integrating ideas and sparking creative thinking. So it's great for creativity and it's great for your help so on the surface all is quiet think about walden pond but under the surface there are many neural connections happening and so make sure you're intentional about protecting preserving and creating these white spaces And then the last thing is to remind yourself of the benefits of creativity. So taking time for creativity can sometimes feel selfish, but it is not. Creativity is an act of generosity, but you're going to have to remind yourself of That fact. So you will need to challenge the guilt you may feel. You will need to talk back to the guilt or the self-criticism. We don't care if it's perfect. That's not the point. Um, Creativity doesn't care about outcome. It doesn't care about perfectionism. Creativity only cares about creating. It's all about the process. So you need to remind yourself that taking time is good for your brain. It's good for your soul and it's good for your relationships. You will need to remind yourself of the many benefits of creativity, that it will make you smarter because it will, that it will make it will help you make broad connections across domains for better problem solving. It will it will definitely make you a better problem solver. And creativity makes you more interesting to be around and it helps you seek understanding from perspectives very different from your own. And of course, we know novel approaches happen as a result of creativity. And the most remarkable leaders throughout history were also the most creative. Um, And so with that, I hope that you will make... The time for creativity, that you will be intentional about it, that you will be consistent, that you will not wait for creativity to land on your shoulder like a bird, but that you will be intentional and consistent in taking time to be creative. Because here is the thing: we need your gifts. We need what only you can offer us. And so, with that, make sure you head on over to my website to check out the show notes with the great resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 85. One more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 85. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care.